You found it. No nonsense. No scripts. Real people on real issues. Hard hitting and action packed with logic, reason, and common sense. Everything you need and everything you've been looking for in a podcast. This is Dynamic Independence with Johnny Anderson, Bruce Adams, Marty Foster, and GP. Welcome to it. Good day, Bruce. How are you? Up here in line. That's great. Have you been thinking about taking a trip to Kabul, Afghanistan recently? You've been thinking about doing a holiday over there? Yeah, not not that has not crossed my mind yet. No? No, I hear no. it's lovely this time of year. I hear it's a great place to visit. I think it would be a little warm this time of year, wouldn't it? Just a little bit, yeah. It is kind of warm this time of year. Devastating winters they have over there, too. I ran into an odd story a few days ago, and because of the events that have unfolded over there, we haven't had a chance to, t- uh, to really discuss this. There's this kid who is a, I don't know if he's like an influencer or something, but he's a 4chan user, all right? And I thought it was interesting to talk about this kid because he gets the stupidity of the year award, in my opinion, for doing this. Uh, He decided that he was going to take a vacation to Kabul, Afghanistan, a few days before the city fell. But that's a a great time to take a vacation. There's an outfit out there run by Tom Papert called The National File. They got an exclusive with the kid. And they were able to verify his location and everything. He was able to turn his geolocating thing on while he was doing the interview and everything. And they saw it, you know, in real time. He was at the place. He was in Kabul. Uh, but this kid, right, his name's Miles Rutledge, British 4chan user, was stranded in Afghanistan because he decided he was going to take a trip over there. Now, he went to the Afghani embassy in the UK before his trip. So it's not like he just hopped on a plane and went over there. But he took some cash. He booked a flight. He got a cheap flight, by the way, apparently. Can't imagine why it would be too expensive. <laughs> yeah, can't imagine why it would be too expensive. But he talked to all the uh, the government people and the you know the Afghani uh, embassy people. I mean, the yeah, actual Afghani's, and they said, "Oh yeah, there's no problem. No, there, there's nothing. No, that's uh, whatever happens with you know outside of Kabul because Kabul is kind of like its own its own country, if you will, more or less. It's kind of like its own thing because you've got all the different areas around there that are run by all the different tribes. So. Kabul's kind of like its own thing. And all the embassy workers said, no, there's nothing you need to worry about because there's no way that they're going to get into Kabul. There's no way. And so he said, OK, you know, he just he felt like everything was on the up and up. And when he landed there and started talking to all the locals, he's like, you know, all these people are really nice. And he says he was asking, he says, what about the Taliban advancing towards the city of Kabul? And like, all the locals even said, oh, no, 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 there, there's no way they'll get here. Now, nah, that's, that's not going to happen. They'll get stopped before they get here. What? I'm just curious, why didn't we take these jokers out from a drone on the roads? They're not in armored vehicles. They have a couple of Humvees, sure, that were given to them. But for the most part, they're in brand new pickup trucks. They're in Toyota pickup trucks. There's 20, 30 of them with AK-47s and RPGs with tack vests hanging out of the bed of these trucks. They're on mopeds, some of them. We couldn't take them out. We couldn't stop this in any way, shape, or form. We couldn't stop those convoys going into that city. Give me a break. Give me a break. Miles Rutledge, a Brit who is now stuck in Kabul, uh, which, by the way, this is, like I said, this is a few days old. He got flown out this morning, uh, but we'll get into that in a minute. Uh, He gained international attention when uh, he posted his current situation to 4chan. Now, I've never actually been over there on the 4chan boards or anything like that. From what I understand, there's a lot of Q stuff over there, like the 4chan, the 8chan stuff. I mean, I I really don't follow into any of that stuff. I've never been one of those people. But uh, apparently that's where all this stuff originates from. So I just tried to stay as far the hell away from that as humanly possible. That's also where the OK symbol originated as being a white supremacist uh, symbol. Okay. They, they, They were trolling the media and said... Uh, hold my beer. We can get the media to uh, push this narrative. And then, lo and behold, the OK symbol is now a white supremacist symbol. How convenient. Well, to be honest with you, Bruce, if you question the COVID restrictions, then, well, you're you're a white supremacist. If you question the election of 2020, well, then you're a white supremacist. If you're wanting to recognize the 9-11 anniversary, well, then you're a, you're a white supremacist. If you recognize religious holidays, well, then you're, you're a white supremacist. You couldn't make this stuff up. You really couldn't make this stuff up. Anyway, Rutledge, a 21-year-old physics student from the University of L- uh, Loughborough, 
made a trip to Afghanistan at a slightly unfortunate time, you think? You think? Only two days into his trip, the Taliban marched into Kabul, of the, uh, the capital of the country. He says, I'm stuck in Afghanistan. I'm in a bit of a pickle. <laughs> I think that's an understatement, kid. That's a Yeah, you're in a bit of a pickle. It was long before that he decided to share his story on 4chan's uh, TRV board, wh whatever that is, uh, the website's primary forum for travel discussion. His postings, which include him saying that Kabul was more peaceful than London. <laughs> well, I mean... He's not wrong in a lot of respects. He's, he's really not. Uh, I don't know about right not now, populated. but yeah, it's not a populated. Uh, and then he was engaging. Uh, he was engaging the Afghanistan grind set, uh, whatever that is. I, I guess it went viral or something. I, I don't know. But uh, anyway, when he went on the interview with the National File, he said that uh, he first realized the situation was getting out of hand when he saw a run on a bank. That's usually, you know, a pretty good sign that something's going horribly wrong when people start running on banks like that. He said everyone started freaking out and stealing and looting. Well, see, that's why they had to bring the Taliban in, son. They had to bring him. They were asked to come into the city to stop the uh, the stealing and the looting. That's why they, they were sent in there to restore law and order. That's why they were right. They were in there. Mm hmm. Well, they said so themselves. Don't you take their word for it? Oh, yeah. No, I, I totally believe them. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, you should. You should. <laughs> you should believe them. They are credible people, right? They are the legitimate government after all, right? I'm, well, I'm being half facetious. I, well, the I European Union said today, am. the European Union said today that the U.S. lost the war and the Taliban won. And even though we don't like it, we have to recognize them and we have to talk to them. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't. Um, hmm. Are we are we sure this wasn't planned again? You know, uh, yeah, we'll get into that in a minute. Well, shortly, we're going to talk about this for a little bit because this this is <laughs> come on, kid. <laughs> Why did you do this? He said, uh, noting that some people were firing AK-47s in the air and trying to calm the situation. Oh, yes, because you really calm the situation by firing AK-47s in the air. <laughs> he said, that's when I know that um, stuff was hitting the fan. Yeah, he disguised himself with a shemag, which is the. Uh, like the, the burka type thing that they wrap their heads with. I've actually got one and, you know, Marty's got several of those things. They're uh, they're pretty nice to have, actually, believe it or not. I mean, that's that's why we actually adopted them here in the West is because they're really those things are really comfortable. I mean, I, <laughs> I have one. It's it's really comfortable um, and functional and functional. Yes, very functional. If you know how to use it correctly. Uh, he tried to get to the Kabul airport, but had no luck. He then made his way to an to an international safe house with the help of locals. Rutledge expressed disbelief at some media and others doubting that his trip to Afghanistan was real. He says, I don't know how I'd be making all of this up. He says it's like the moon landing to some degree and that it would be harder to fake it. He says, if I was faking it, I'd be a lot happier right now. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Uh, he was able to verify his location during the interview. They were able to get it because uh, he had a sat tracker. He was able to get the uh, the geolocation tag so they could verify where he was at. Other outlets had not been too kind to Rutledge. He was he was trying to speak to the Sun papers and they were describing him as an idiot abroad. And the spectator uh, had claimed that the optimism of Tintin, but the geopolitical awareness of Captain Haddock. <laughs> so, well, I mean, yeah. He says, back in May, I spoke to four people out of the Afghani embassy. He says, I got quotes from them. You've got all the tours with locals endorsed by the government who've been doing this for 10 to 15 plus years. They all said it was safe, and I completely believed them. And to be honest, there's been some famous YouTubers going there with less preparation than I had. He says, I had GPS trackers, contingency plans, and I took every single measure I could think of within my budget. He says, I kind of listened to the experts, but things went south very quickly. I constantly did ask friends that were in Afghanistan, and my tour guide, is this safe? Will this be fine? Will Kabul hold? And they all said, absolutely. When Kabul started falling, everyone was shocked and no one saw it coming. Yeah, no one saw that coming. Yeah. They were moving so fast. They, they rolled into town with some U.S. vehicles, some Toyota pickup trucks, and some mopeds. That's the, Apparently, that's all you need to take a city these days. It's just that. Hell, they were tweeting about it the entire way there. And every 10 feet, they were stopping to take... Uh, photos and oh, yeah, do a little photo shoot. Yeah, and, yeah, photo ops yeah. and everything. Oh yeah, we're advancing mm -hmm. on the, the 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 city of Kabul to to torment the infidel. Whatever, you know. That's that. Give me a break. He described that he also went to Afghanistan because he thought he could do some good to whatever extent that might be. Uh, he says it's a misunderstood place in the world. Now, see, what did I tell you? What did I tell you? I said these liberal yuppies. That's what they have in their head. They think, oh, it's just a misunderstood place. You go there with that nonsense in your head. 
And that kind of attitude right there will get your dumbass killed. He says, I was going there with some good chunk of change. I took about $500. He says, not much, but I'm just a student and I work part time. So it's about half of a month's paycheck for me, probably more. I went there hoping to give it to needy people. As I saw the situation getting a little bit worse, it was heartbreaking. I saw little girls around the age of seven with no family, wandering the streets, coming up to me crying, and I just gave them some flatbread and some money and everything I could. Uh, and I tried to communicate. Obviously, there was a language barrier there. He says, but it motivated me to do well, and I could do good by my trip. Uh, I think that I hit a net positive in the end, hopefully. He says, speaking to Afghani people, most of them are absolutely lovely. And I learned some excellent lessons from them in general. The trip has definitely been worth it so far, regardless of my situation. But I think that's the main cause. I just wanted to have a little bit of adventure. Well, you got it, son. You got you got some adventure, more than you bargained for. He says, it's my last kind of year. adventure I would want. No, it's not any kind of adventure I'd want either. Uh, it's my last year of university coming up and the last summer I've got before I'm working 80-hour weeks in banking. Uh, don't worry, you'll probably go back over there for, as a consultant, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm probably going to go somewhere a little bit crazy, a little bit unheard of. Anyway, so I, I guess that's where he wanted to go. You wanted to go somewhere crazy and unheard of? Well, you got it. Maybe maybe think about Taiwan next time. Uh, that's uh, Yeah, I hear it's from what I, I hear, hear it's nice be right pretty now. crazy. Yeah, it's going to be cr pretty crazy soon. He says, I didn't think it was that crazy to begin with, as every YouTuber who's been <laughs> who's been here has had an excellent experience. That's when we had 20,000 troops on the ground and 10,000 pipe hitters on the ground. <laughs> that's that's yeah. when they've had a good experience. When you get caught out, you hit a button and the cavalry comes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything just fell instantly. Uh, no, wait a minute. Let's let's get to this part. This should not be overlooked. The Brit slammed the actions of the Biden and the American administration, as you should, kid, saying that the decision to leave the country was far too rushed. He says, I don't understand why they did it so suddenly. Oh, I do. I think I do now after I did some digging today. He said a slow retreat with money spent more wisely would have been a smarter move. See, you see this. You see this? The, even a 21-year-old stupid-minded kid can conjure that stuff up and figure this stuff out more than these buffoons that we've got in these so-called whatever you want to call them. I, I don't know if you want to call them people that are in the administration. These hand-picked idiots that are from these universities. And he's a university kid himself, but at least he's on the ground. None of these people, none of them, none of these people have ever set foot outside of their offices. None of them. They've never been on the ground. They've never been in a hostile situation. They've never come face to face with a street thug. Nothing. Yeah, but they're experts. They, yeah. they know. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're experts. All right. I got an expert for you. He says everything just fell instantly. He says it reminds me of every single war that's gone on with America. They just cock it up to some degree. Yeah, we do. Yeah, that's what we do. No, seriously, that's what we do. We get in somewhere and we just, for whatever reason, we just, we, we never leave. And we screw everything up. And it's worse than when we first got there. It's like, it's, what, why? Well, it's because they started doing the nation building. Instead of fighting a war to win the war and get it over with and then get back home, we try to go over there and nation build and change their belief system or, or their, their foundations and change it to more of a democratic system. And I'm sorry, that doesn't work, especially in the Middle East. They have their own ideas on, I mean, they're, they're too tribal currently, uh, and they, they have their beliefs. The, honestly, we should have gone in taking care of the terrorists and the, the problematics and then been out of there. We should have been out in like 2004. Yeah, but I mean, and we can get into a whole discussion about this, but we'll just spend a minute on it here. But why were we there in the first place? Why? It was supposed to be 9-11, right? It was supposed to be a place where they yeah. were harboring like, what, 100 guys? That's what it was supposed to be about. We didn't even get bin Laden there. We got him in Pakistan. He was two steps away from one of their major universities living in a house. If you buy that story, I mean, I, I, I'm not saying that I that I do or I don't. I have my own opinions on the matter, but nonetheless, that's the mainline story. That's what we go with. Bearing in mind that the people that are telling you that story are the same people that are feeding you the lies about this and the same people feeding you the lies about COVID and 9-11. Bear that in mind. But if you go by the mainline story, all the hijackers were from Saudi Arabia. Bin Laden was from Saudi Arabia. His family was, was from Saudi. The guys that that we got were in Pakistan. The only reason we went in there is because, oh, uh, they're harboring 100 guys. You're trying to tell me with all of this technology and all of this intelligence and all of this, everything that we've come up with in the last 30 years, we can't find 100 guys and get the hell out of there. Is that what you're telling me? Now, um, maybe very important point before I, before I let you jump in there. Very important point. One of the things about the 9-11 report 
that not a lot of people are aware of. Mind you, we didn't touch Saudi Arabia after 9-11. The pages of the Saudi involvement in 9-11 were sealed and no one's seen them since. Sorry, go ahead. Uh, I'm going to be a little conspiratorial here and um, uh, just throw the idea out there. What if this entire war was just a beta test for equipment? Could be. I mean, think about it. Uh, some of the some of the weapons that we we produced during that time, uh, the Hellfires, uh, the new ones are bladed. You can hit it in an urban area without any collateral damage. Pinpoint accurate. New drones. Um, new drones, new stealth tech, new identification systems, uh, new tracking uh, methods of tracking. You know, what if you were a dissenter, let's say, of this coming regime? Um all the tech is there to track you down and hit you in an urban environment mm -hmm. and cause no collateral damage. Mm -hmm. It's a good point. All right, let's continue on with the kid here because uh, I want to get through this one. Got other stuff I want to talk about. It says um, that when America goes into uh, to a country, he says they try to fix it, but it just gets worse. I wish America could have just negotiated during the withdrawal and set up a de facto government because I guarantee Afghanistan was not ready for this Western style of government. It wasn't. It wasn't. It was never going to work. It was always going to end this way. Always. He says they're very religious, based in Sharia, and obviously Islamic fundamentalism. I think they should have taken that into account. It's like during the 1800s where colonial powers drew borders, and they never took into account the social and political structures. It's the same thing repeating over and over again. And it's all about money in the end. That kid's got a point. He's got a point. Rutledge said that his plans as to how he would get out of the country, to which he claimed, or uh, to which he claimed that he may have to bunker up for one or two weeks in his current compound before it was safe to leave. He says I could make a trek to the airport, but they don't like Western clothes and foreigners in general, so I don't want to risk it. Even though the Taliban, they've promised not to harm Westerners. Oh yes, I'm sure that I would take that. Yeah, I would. I would take that as a as an opposite I, message. That, I mean, yeah, that that's probably true. They're not going to harm you. They're going use you as a ransom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the hostages are coming. Oh, that's coming. That's coming. Especially because of what happened today. The uh, Federal Reserve Bank froze the Taliban accounts, so they will no longer have access to their money. That means they're going to start taking hostages. That's what that means. He says, the option now is to scavenge for food if I can. The compound is technically a hotel, and there's some rotting fruit like this banana. He holds up like this black banana. <laughs> says, I'm taking those and I'm eating uh, and I'm eating slowly. He says, and I'm downing water. He says, I can go five or six days without eating quite easily. Well, kid, you got a better stomach than I do. Uh, he says, I did some fasting previously a few months ago, so I should be fine. He says, I'm going to wait, uh, wait it out uh, and get as many contacts as I can. He got out this morning. There was a detachment from the, I think it was the British Army that went in and got him out, uh, or maybe some of our guys got him out. But uh, he put a, a shot up today of him on a plane, uh, transport plane, a C-17, and he's out of there. Hey, kid, plan your itinerary just a little bit better next time. Yeah, just yeah. saying. Maybe pay attention to geopolitics and uh, the people that you're visiting, uh, because even though the experts were saying everything's going to be fine, uh, what we've seen in Iraq and Syria made it very clear. Hell, even even before then, we had news reports saying that green on blue, yeah, green being the Afghani military, Whoops a daisy, we just happened to have poor trigger discipline. I don't think that's what it was, but they shot our troops in the back. Many times. Yeah, you, you should, yeah, many times. It wasn't like just a once or twice occurrence. So knowing that ahead of time, you should have known that the military there was very broken and very much incapable of defending that that government. The Taliban in the Afghanistan capital of Kabul have started collecting weapons from civilians. Well, <laughs> because that always goes well, doesn't it? Yeah, that always. Think that it always, as a donation. Yeah, it's a donation. Yeah, for the cause. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But yeah, see, yeah. for your security. But see, the Taliban fighters, they've said, and this is according to the Associated Press, so you know it's true. They've told the Associated Press, because they wouldn't lie, right? They've told the Associated Press, and I'm quoting here, people no longer need those weapons for personal protection because we understand people kept them for personal safety, right? We understand that. He says, now they can feel safe. We are not here to harm innocent civilians. You see, Bruce, they're loving individuals. Yeah, they're, they're there to protect the citizenry. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. So the old man comes out yesterday. They uh, they lubed him up, stuck him out there. I mean, he seemed pretty cognizant there for uh, for that speech. I mean, it only took him all, what, it was, you know, four or five days to get out there and make a speech on it. It only took him that long to decide he was going to stop playing Mario Kart and get back on the helicopter and get over there. They wheeled him up to make a speech. He took no questions. 
walked back out the door with that stupid mask on his face, got back on Marine One with Jill and the Moo Moo, went back to Camp David, and probably had a bowl of chocolate chip. And if that's not bad enough, right, if that's not bad enough, I, I don't know who this buffoon is that they got up there as Jen Psaki's replacement. This guy's a complete pipsqueak idiot. I don't know what classroom they dug him out of or what back office room they got him from. Angela Merkel, German chancellor, she said last night, um, well, the uh, the Germans that are stuck there on the ground, well, that's out of our hands. That's out of our hands. Um, that's out of your hands. That, that's out of your hands. The Bundeswehr couldn't land there. That's the German army, by the way. They couldn't land there yesterday. We were trying to secure the airport so they could land their transport planes to get their people out so we could send our guys in to help them get their people out. And Merkel says, oh, it's out of our hands. She went to a movie after that. Off to the cinema she went, laughing and carrying on. That's what these people think of you. The Biden administration with the State Department sent out this instruction. It, it don't think that this is just, you know, one one German chancellor that's, you know, saying, oh, well, yeah, whatever. Oh, no, 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 no. This is a coordinated, unified message across all of these traitorous governments. All of them. At least the French. At least the French. The French are actually saying, we're going to go in there. We're going to get our people out. The French are actually saying that. You can say what you want. The French are knock down, drag out fighters. They will fight. The French will fight when they have to. They will fight. I'll give them that. The Germans will too. But you got to you got to motivate them a little bit, but they will get their people out and we will help them get their people out. We're obligated to help them get their people out. But if that's not bad enough, listen to this garbage coming out of the State Department. The State Department, this is I, I don't have words for this. Right. Bruce can see the the vein popping up on my carotid artery right here. The State Department on Sunday told Americans in Kabul that their best chance of survival is to hide. I'm quoting here. The security situation in Kabul is changing quickly, including at the airport. There are reports of the airport taking fire. Therefore, we are instructing U.S. citizens to shelter in place. That's what the embassy published on Sunday to people. Oh, it gets better. It gets better. The embassy then told everyone that even as the Taliban took over Kabul, it's vital for everyone to have the proper paperwork in order. Th this sounds like something out of the Chinese Communist Party Politburo. This is this is how they do it in China. I have a relative who needs to get to the hospital. They're, they're elderly. They need care. Uh, well, do you have an appointment? Um, no. OK, well, you need to contact your community administrator and register with them. And then they need to register with the hospital administration to make sure that there's an appointment there. And then you can check with the community person. We'll relay through them and then they can make sure that you get that person to the hospital whenever they say it's OK. That's the same level of what you're dealing with here. In the meantime, you're telling me all these people that they're loading onto these planes. You got Governor Kemp in Georgia coming out today saying, oh, bring all the Afghan refugees here. We're not obligated to take them. This is a failure of the administration on purpose. Don't forget that. We are not obligated to take these people. The European Union is not obligated to take these people. Where's all of our supposed allies in the region? Where's Pakistan? Where's the United Arab Emirates? Where's Saudi Arabia? Where's any of them? saying, oh, well, uh, yeah, we'll take some of them. We, you know, we got plenty of room here. The Saudis, the Saudis, when, when all that was happening all those years ago, when, when all that was happening in the Middle East, when all that turmoil, when, when Obama and Hillary Clinton went in and collapsed the entire region, imploded everything, they didn't take a single refugee, none of them. The Saudis and the United Arab Emirates have tents set up for the pilgrimage. The Hajj, Marty's talked about it here several times the trip to Mecca that people usually only make one time in their life. They're set up to take a million plus on any given day with air-conditioned accommodations. And you're telling me that we don't have a choice. We've got to We've got to get 30,000 of them in. And you know damn well it's going to be more than that. They're going to put them on military bases. Biden pulled a half a billion today to do it. U.S. citizens, again with this, right? U.S. citizens wanting assistance in departing the country should register for any option that might be identified to return to the United States and must complete this repatriation assistance request for each traveler in your group. I, I feel like I'm reading an automated message when you call one of these government buildings and you get, get to talk to one of these useless bureaucracies. And then while you're on hold and you get the, the hold music that's, that's usually just complete ridiculousness on its face, then you get cut off and you have to call back. I had to do something with the U.S. consulate here where I'm at because I'm outside of the country. I had to do something with them. It took me 11 phone calls within 30 minutes to the same number, talking to the guy at the front desk until finally... 
I told him over and over again the same time because I just kept calling back. And he says, OK, I'll transfer you. OK, I'll transfer you. OK, I'll transfer you. And finally, he got the hint that it was the same person calling over and over. And he says, look, I'll just give you the extension of the person you need to talk to and you can call them directly and it will solve all this. And I said, why didn't you just do that in the first place? Why, why didn't you just tell me that that's what I because I just had one question. That's all. And you know what? I took that number and that extension that he gave me and I was on and off the phone in 30 seconds. I got the answer I needed from the person I needed to get it from. And then you sold that number to a spam <laughs> caller, right? Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, actually, the woman was very nice. She, she was very nice. Uh, and I did have a chance to speak to her while I was there. She was very nice. Spouses and minor children of U.S. citizens in Afghanistan who are awaiting immigrant visas should also complete this form if they wish to depart. Please do so as soon as possible. You must complete this form even if you've previously submitted your information to the U.S. Embassy in Kabul. It's almost like they want Kabul, that, that whole situation in Afghanistan, to be worse. It's almost like they want it to be more catastrophic and potentially have some of their own citizenry caught up in it. Uh, why is my question. What, 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 why would you want to do such a thing? Why, why would you take... Uh, by the way, when, he, when he, uh, Biden became president, uh, you know, he signed executive order after executive order to undo all the previous administration's executive orders. So... Everything that he had undone, this is the one thing he left. This is the one thing that he left in place was the pullout in May. He, he didn't renegotiate. He didn't uh, or even plan, uh, you know, for this with, withdrawal. And here we are in August doing the actual withdrawal. So he had two extra months and we didn't have a staged withdrawal. We didn't have people lined up that had helped the U.S., you know, we we were in an agreement with people that help us, translators, um, informants, those types. Uh, those I get. When they help us. Those yeah. I understand. Yeah, we, we would get them out. He didn't have those people already lined up and ready to go with the proper paperwork so that when it came time to pull them out, we could order in an orderly fashion, get them out and pull everyone out, you know, in a staged withdrawal. We, we, we couldn't do that. He had, what, seven months, six months to do that? No. I, I no this this it this is this all stinks. So you got CNN now. They're saying that is this a a sign of incompetence? Is there a mental problem here? Even CNN is saying that now. You got the ex Obama doctor who has now come out, Ronnie Jackson, who is said who's a representative, uh, or excuse me, Republican from Texas, who served as White House position under the last two administrations, said on Monday that it was time to invoke the 25th Amendment to remove Biden simply because of the disaster that unfolded in Afghanistan. Do you remove him from this? Is, is that the play that they're that they're after? Is that it? Uh, but maybe. But the problem is, is you had Pelosi out there saying he did a wonderful job. Right. But, I, him. but I, I'm I'm more keen to what Trump said the other day. He says that Biden should resign. But I'll go a step further. Not only should Biden resign, the entire administration needs to go like the entire yeah. all of them need to step down. They're not anywhere near this. They're all on vacation. Mm -hmm. Worst military disaster in a half a century. And they're on vacation. And not only that, you bring him back to make a statement at 345 in the afternoon at 340 while they're having lunch in L.A., you bring him back to make a statement at 345. Now, who's going to watch that? Who's going to watch that? He needs to be making that at 8 o'clock the night before in prime time on every network from the Oval Office. People need to see leadership. Instead, you stick him out there walking out of some door with some stupid mask on his face, who's been double jabbed, by the way, supposedly. He comes out, he makes a statement, takes no questions, shuffles back through that doorway, sneaks out the back door after he wanders through the bushes, probably. Gets back on the plane and goes back to Camp David. That's leadership. All right, his approval numbers have dipped, right? He's in the 30s, right? Some people are saying he's in the 50s. He's not in the 50s. This guy's going to be pulling single digits by the beginning of next month. He keeps this garbage up, if he's even still there. All right, so a newspaper in China, the uh, the Global Times. It's a, it's a, it's a well-known paper. Yeah, it's a good, good mouthpiece for the Chinese Communist Party. They're celebrating a complete humiliation of the U.S. in Afghanistan. Well, what are the Chinese poised to do right now? Oh, they're going to make mineral deals. Trillion dollars worth of minerals in there to go after. Trillion dollars worth. Wouldn't have been possible with the U.S. still in there, would it? No, no. As a matter of fact, the uh, the Russians, they're ready to do a deal too. 
their embassies are open. They both happily tweeted out today, the Chinese and the Russian embassies are operating as normal. We're here. And I'm sure that they will be sending a delegation to speak with the Taliban leaders shortly. By the way, there's a resistance group that's been set up in one place in the country that the Taliban haven't taken over. Do, do, do you know how these groups operate? Do you know how these 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 backed groups operate from Western groups? They'll set up and control both sides so they keep the conflict going. That's what they do. People like George Soros, people like the Rockefeller Foundation, all the rest of it, all these all these organizations, Rothschilds, all the rest of it, they will fund both sides of a war to keep things in constant conflict. China's state-run Global Times newspaper celebrated the fall of Afghanistan to the Taliban jihadist organization Sunday as a complete humiliation for the United States, shortly before the foreign ministry said that it would be open to friendly ties with the new Taliban regime. See, friendly ties. Yeah, friendly ties. And of course, Blinken said a couple of weeks ago, it'd probably be a good thing for the Chinese to come in and uh, and have deals with them. I mean, it would it'd be a peaceful time, right? It'd be a peaceful time. Yeah. Chinese newspaper columnist Martin Jacques noted that the Taliban was in power when America invaded in 2001, and the objective of the mission eventually morphed into propping up a legitimate alternative government to the radical Islamic terrorists. Again, this is out of the Global Times, the op-ed in Global Times. At press time, Biden has ordered 7,000 troops back into Afghanistan. Did we put another thousand in? I thought it was only six. Anyway. We did. We ended up. Yeah, we did. Did we put another thousand in? Okay. We'll put another thousand. I heard they were going to push it to 8,000 just to secure the airport to get all of our people and our and our allies out. I heard that. And then, of course, the French are sending in, a th- I think, a thousand. Uh, anyway, the Taliban is in the process of building his government, calling into question if Biden will meet his own August 31st deadline to withdraw the troops from the country. Well, we'll see, won't we? The U.S. is confronted with a historic defeat in Afghanistan at the hands of the Taliban. America's longest war, which began in 2001, is ending in complete humiliation. Afghanistan. You're starting to hear what it is. Afghanistan is the graveyard of empires. Always ends that way. The Romans, the British, the Russians, the U.S. It's no different. As soon as we were in there, it's the way it is. Ron Paul was warning about this almost 20 years ago. No one listened to him. He's a crazy man. He doesn't know what he's talking about. Is he wrong now? I listened to a speech that he gave back in 2006 on Afghanistan. By the way, we were clamoring at the bit to be pulled out of there back then. No one listened to him. So I asked yesterday, and you know, I was hoping to get to this op-ed that Klaus Schwab did. Maybe we can get to it. I don't know. I hope I hope we have time. But if not, then I guess we'll just have to push it back to tomorrow again. I hate doing that. But anyway, doesn't matter. I asked yesterday why we're seeing this. Because we're meant to see this, right? They want us to see this. Okay. For what purpose? For what purpose does imploding Afghanistan do the establishment? For what purpose? Well, I got to thinking, who is somebody we haven't heard from in quite some time? That's Bill Gates. We haven't heard from him in quite some time. And now you're saying, okay, now you're getting now you're getting crazy because what's Bill Gates got to do with Afghanistan? Well, maybe nothing. I don't know. Maybe something. Again, I don't know. I'm only speculating at this point, but I'm going to play some audio here of Bill Gates in several different speaking engagements. And I'll let you decide. I'm also going to play a clip of Dr. Anthony Fauci from 2012, I think. And again, I'll let you make up your own mind. Bill Gates was on, and this clip I don't have, unfortunately. I've I've spent most of the afternoon today trying to find it, and I just couldn't do it. Bill Gates was on a late night talk show a while back. And this is last year before all the shutdowns and all the virtual stuff and everything else. And he said, well, this is what we're calling pandemic one, meaning there's going to be a pandemic two. Well, what does that mean? And I remember him saying something about bioterrorism. He said, well, it's possible that a uh, you know, a terrorist organization. What what would we do if a terrorist organization got a hold of a biological weapon and released it? What would we do then? Well, obviously, we'd be looking at another pandemic, right? Well, we all know that COVID's failing. We know that his policies with COVID are are complete. It's 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 disgusting. It's disgusting. He and Soros are running around all over the U.S. and Europe buying up these testing companies now, and they're charging people for it. So it made me think. He was standing on stage in 2015, warning people about a pandemic that would come in a TED talk. Now, that doesn't mean that he was some kind of person that can predict the future. Like I said, these people have to tell you what they're going to do before they do it. We covered in eco-science last week when we talked about the real target. We covered in eco-science exactly the plan that they're following. It's almost word for word what Gates is saying comes out of that book that was written in the 70s. But Gates is saying it again. It's in our faces. The next pandemic could possibly be a biowarfare attack, right? Bioterrorism. All right. Don't take my word for it. Listen to it yourself. This is Bill Gates 
speaking at the World Economic Forum meeting in 2017. Through his foundation, Bill Gates has helped to fight AIDS, tuberculosis, and malaria. Well, today at the World Economic Forum in Davos, Switzerland, he announced that his project called CEPI, or the Coalition for Epidemic Preparedness Innovations, has $460 million. He sat down with CBS News to talk about how that money will go to preparing for the next great epidemic. Uh, the idea is to take an a new way of building vaccines uh, that could let us develop in less than a year a novel vaccine. Uh, they're called DNA RNA vaccines, and so we'll fund a few projects uh, to build specific vaccines, but uh, not only will we get that, we'll prove out that these platforms can work, we'll understand uh, the regulatory issues, and it gives us a chance of uh, being able to respond in time when the next epidemic hits. Mm -hmm. We're in the same situation uh, we were in before, where it takes years uh, to build a new uh, vaccine. But the scientific idea of, of these new platforms uh, could radically change that uh, so that a lot of the steps are sitting there ready, the, the, the factory piece, understanding the regulatory piece, and you just have to plug in some information, do some quick safety profiles, and then you can get into manufacturing quite rapidly. Well, we need vaccines for a lot of things, not just epidemics. We need a HIV vaccine, a tuberculosis vaccine, a malaria vaccine. Uh, all of those things are in the works. And you know, over the next decade, I think most of those uh, we'll, we'll get solutions for. Now, what have we seen over the last year and a half with COVID? Now, mind you, he said that in 2017. We've worked out all those kinks, haven't we? They've ramped up their supply chains. They've, Of course, it's been a complete disaster. Make no mistake about that. But they've ramped up their production because they haven't admitted fault because that would fall apart. They've doubled down and increased production capacity, right? So they have the logistical supply line that they need to bring online. They have an excuse for it now because they've had a COVID emergency, right? They keep the emergency going through the use of emergency use authorization for the vaccines. In the meantime, they're simultaneously trying to work in vaccine passports in order for you to participate into society. So they have the supply line that he was talking about. So there's your first step. You can't trigger a bioterror attack if you don't have the supply line in place ready to respond, can you? It doesn't make any sense. So let's listen to him at the Munich Security Conference talking about what he sees in the future. We also face a new threat that the next epidemic uh, has a good chance of originating on a computer screen of a terrorist intent on using genetic engineering to create a synthetic version of the smallpox virus or a contagious, contagious and highly deadly strain of flu. So the point is that we ignore the strong link between health security and international security at our peril. Whether it occurs by the quirk of nature or at the hand of a terrorist, epidemiologists show through their models that a respiratory spread pathogen would kill more than 30 million people in less than a year. And there is a reasonable probability of that taking place in the years ahead. Okay. Now... He said that about a month later at the Munich Security Conference. Under Donald Trump, you had him cleaning up that mess, didn't you? You had him cleaning up that mess of terrorism breeding grounds. They partnered with the Russians and they gave those people a holy ass kicking. They dropped a Moab on them. What was it Trump said about the uh, one of the Taliban leaders? He died like a dog. He ran down the tunnel screaming. You see, they didn't have what they needed in order to trigger their next move. Now they do. Again, it's just one man's opinion. But listen, final clip, listen to Dr. Anthony Fauci back in 2012. Bioterror is, there's always the potential for bioterror. And we have a major biodefense research and development effort that spans agencies from the NIH to do the basic research to be able to develop better vaccines, how you counter engineered microbes, how you approach drug resistance engineered microbes. The CDC has surveillance mechanisms to determine if there's new microbes or anything out there in society particularly toxic that could be used in a bioterror situation. The Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Defense, we do all of that. Having said that. Do you remember how we talked last week about how they will 
list something. When I was talking about eco-science, they'll talk about something, and then a couple lines later, one or two lines later, they'll then save themselves. Well, that's what he does here. Listen to what he says after this. Worst bioterrorist is nature itself. Nature is very good at evolving microbes to create problems, much smarter than any terrorist. So what we've tried to do over the years is to use the expertise, the resources, to allow us to respond better to a deliberate affront or attack on us with a microbe of any type engineered or what have you, to use that knowledge to better prepare us for what we know will happen. We don't know whether we will ever have an attack on us in the United States or elsewhere using biological weapons. But you just said that you we know. We absolutely know that we will have the evolution of a new disease naturally occurring that will impact society. And the reason is because history has told us that that will happen. I can't predict to you when the next one will be. Hopefully it won't be for a very, very long time, but it will happen. There's no doubt it will happen. So instead of looking at it in two separate silos of biodefense for biological threats that are deliberate and countermeasures for naturally occurring, you should essentially pool the science so that you could do both. Right, right. Your thoughts? I would argue that we've already had a bioterrorist attack in China. And what no was argument. released? No argument. But see, here's the thing. Look at the doubling down. They got caught. You remember? Everyone's forgetting that mm -hmm. now. They got caught. Senator Kennedy and Senator Marshall. Uh, Dr. Fauci, do you want to explain how this spike, the S1 spike protein on your research papers are the same S1 spike protein as SARS-CoV-2? Can, can you explain that? I, I'm sorry, Senator. I don't know what you mean. Uh, yeah, I'll explain it again. Can you explain how the S1 spike protein that you developed is the same S1 spike protein on the SARS-CoV-2 virus? Can you explain that? Uh, I'm sorry, Senator. I, I, I'm not following you. I don't understand what you mean. They listed the NIH grant number on the research papers at the Wuhan lab. They got caught. And what's happened since then? The doubling down has, well, hell, They've quadrupled and, and quintupled down on everything. They're rapidly scrambling. They collapsed Afghanistan and they're warning you. They've been warning us for years what they're going to do. They're Gates and Fauci are telling us what they're going to do. It's right in our faces. And no one, no one is paying attention to it. No one. It took me a while. I, I went off last night. I scratched my head and I was scratching my head most of the day today. And I thought, Oh my God, Bill Gates said that the next one is going to be a bioterror attack. Although I agree with Bruce, we're already experiencing one. The next one, can you imagine? Oh, uh, how did the Taliban get a hold of that? Well, <laughs> they have their ways, right? Because so far they seem unstoppable. What would stop them from getting their hands on or being given a uh, biological warfare agent? What would stop that? You would take care of that problem of the Taliban, wouldn't you? Of course, you take care of just about everything else in that region, not to mention the world. Just my opinion, pure speculation based on everything that I just played, but they're telling us what they're going to do. So the next pandemic that happens, two things we're looking for. Either it's going to be a cyber pandemic, like Schwab is saying, or we're going to see something from like Taliban or one of uh, um, another um, NIH funded uh, virus. It, I thought it was also interesting there what... Um, what was said by Gates, um, the, 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 the two viruses that he um, listed there, two diseases, actually, I don't know, smallpox is a virus, but it, yeah, it's kind of a smallpox is a, yeah, it's, we, I mean, we took care of that problem, but um, right. well, with but what they're the doing, lab. it is still in the lab and what they're doing with these things, the way they're souping these things up, if what they're saying about the graphene oxide in the vaccines, you've taken something that cannot survive and you've made it indestructible. So if you enhance the lethality of smallpox and you give it a graphene overlay, you've got a real problem on your hands. Theoretically, the, 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 the problem I see with all of this, uh, like with the virus that they use, they use the SARS virus. The SARS virus had about a 15% fatality rate, much more fatal than this one. The changes they did to it made it less deadly. So even if they took something like smallpox, tried to engineer it to be more virulent, it in in the process it's going to make it less deadly. It, I'm you know it they might be able to find a combination that would make it virulent and deadly, but 
Uh, I'm not really sure that that's like it, it's kind of it's kind of a one or the other thing when, when it comes to viruses. It, it kind of has this weird balance, if you will, to where to make it really virulent, it's also not as deadly. So it, it, it kind of has that, you know. Um, so hence, that's but, why they did the gain of function. So it would so it rather than than aerosolize. And, and make it, you know, give it full aerosolization and being able to, to allow it to survive on its own rather than making it an airborne pathogen. They did the gain of function so they could still keep some communicability, because if you air, if you make that virus, if you aerosolize that virus, then there's no way that it would have the transmissibility like it would with gain of function. Is that, is that what you're saying? So they needed to keep no, something constantly no, going. No. So if they were to aerosolize it, it would it would have spread even even worse than this. Right. But well, you say basically what I'm saying is you lose lethality, though. Right. But by using the gain of function and increasing how how much it spreads just between person to person and not without aerosolizing it, it's still a genetic change that made it weaker or or made it less deadly. So any changes to make it more violent usually corresponds with making it less deadly. It's kind of like a, a tug of war between the two. Um, so whatever change you do to make it more violent, it's going to be less deadly. That said, there with, with engineering and understanding how things work, and as time goes on, we understand how genetics work, that may not be the case forever. Um, but I found it interesting that the two that he listed there, one of which we haven't seen in a very long time, at least large outbreaks of it. And the other one is the flu. What have we said that COVID-19 is? The flu. It's basically the flu. It's it's a virus just as the flu is. Uh, the flu is largely coronaviruses, like 70% or so. Kind of a, I don't know, it's ironic, isn't it? Just kind of a odd coincidence. New Zealand is going to be going back into a full national lockdown because of Bruce, guess how many cases they had full national lockdown. The entire country of New Zealand is locking down because of how many cases? Oh, I, I'm, I, it must be a lot to, to lock down an entire country where we're, we're talking, you know, probably like thousands of, of, of confirmed cases and, and probably at least hundreds of people in hospital and, and having people die of this as well. Um, I'm sure one, one case. I'll tell you what the problem is. The problem is this New Zealand has an 18% vaccination rate. That's your problem. That's not a high enough number for those that are in power. Let's listen to this. Uh, quite frankly, you know what? I can't even say this with a straight face anymore after seeing and learning about who this this creature is, right? Let's go to this crack addict because that's what she is. Let's go to this crack addict that is the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Stay local and do not congregate. Don't talk to your neighbours. Please keep to your bubbles. It comes down again to those very simple principles. We know from overseas uh, cases of the Delta variant that it can be spread by people simply walking past one another. So keep those movements outside to the bare minimum. Wear a mask and make sure you keep up that physical distancing. And behind her, there is a nice little sign that says, scan QR codes and turn on your Bluetooth tracing on all of your phones. Uh, no, thanks, lady. No, I, I'm sorry. I, I don't respond too well to drug addicts when I'm uh, being told what to do. No, I'm sorry. You crawl back into whatever hole you, you, you came out of. You know, go back, go back and sit on the stage again with Bill Gates. Have, a, have another conversation with him and then get some rehab, get some help. This is a sick individual. This is a sick individual. This is the same as what you hear out of those losers in Australia. Don't look at your neighbors. If you're going to drink outside, then you need to wear a mask. While you drink outside, you will not be permitted to remove your mask while you take a drink outside. You hear this? You hear the level of insanity these people have reached. This just in Los Angeles County. High vaccination rate there, yeah? Los Angeles County will now require people to wear masks at outdoor events like concerts and festivals. These people have lost their damn minds. I don't think they had them to begin with. When I saw this video of this uh, this New Zealand, whatever she is, smoking crack, that's who these people are. These are drug addicts. These are these are losers and degenerates. Joe Biden is in office because he is compromised and he has a crackhead son. That's why he's there, because they can use that. They always take the fools. Organized crime syndicates always take the fools to put out there to take the fall for the bad policy. They always take the ones that are the most compromised on something to take the fall for the bad policy, because if it goes wrong, the syndicate can just say, oh, well, it was them. It was all them. 
wasn't us that put them there. They are meant to take the hit for the bad policy. They are not the ones making the policy. How much longer are we going to entertain the idea of these degenerate drug addicts to tell us what to do? How much longer? You got Biden running off eating ice cream. You got Merkel going to the theater smiling and laughing while people are dying. You got people down in Australia telling you you can't take your mask off to take a drink. You got the New Zealand prime minister telling you that if she can put the pipe down, telling you that don't look at your neighbors. Don't talk to your neighbors. This is what paranoid drug addicts actually do. Believe me, I've arrested plenty of them. I know how they act. They're all paranoid and, and cracked out on something. That's how they act. Oh, no, God, no, no. I don't, I don't want to look at anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody. You see what they're looking like? Have you ever come up against a tweaker? That's exactly how they sound, like this woman. Someone that's paranoid, that's afraid, that's running in fear, that doesn't want to get caught. What did I say? When they got caught, they've been double, triple, and quadrupling down on everything. All right, we're out of time, so we are going to have to go. For those of you who have not signed up to our Telegram page, get over there and get signed up to us, because if you do get signed up to us over there, not only will you get all of our podcasts, you'll also get to see the video of that woman talking and the video of her smoking drugs. You get to see that, too, while she's sitting on a stage talking to Bill Gates. Two different videos, of course, but they're overlaid on top of each other. But you'll get content like that. Stuff that won't be played on the media. Why isn't that on the media? Why aren't they showing that? Why aren't they saying, okay, here's the woman who is telling you not to look at your neighbors, not to talk to your neighbors, and then right next to that should be her hitting the pipe. Why aren't they showing that? This is the person that's telling you not to look at your neighbors. Are you going to take advice from a junkie like this? That's what the media should be doing. That right there. So get signed up to us on Telegram so you get all that great content that we put out. Also, if you'd like to reach out to us, you can do so anytime by dropping us an email at dynamicpodcast at protonmail.com. And we would ask you to pass this along to friends, family, and associates. We are trying to grow, but we do need your help in order to do that. So if you could pass this along, we would appreciate that. We're available everywhere you get your podcast. Also, if you're rating podcasts, if you give us a rating when you get a chance, we would appreciate that as well. Five stars would be a plus. Thank you very much. All right, that's it for today. Thank you for being here today, Bruce. Thank you to all the listeners. Everyone have a great evening.